Welcome again to Big Valley Grace Community Church. We're super glad that you decided to come to church this weekend and that you chose this worship community to be a part of. If you are our guest today, if you're the first time here at Big Valley Grace, we're, we're especially glad that you're here. After the service, we'd love to meet you in the Welcome Center. Um, if you're over in the venue with us today, we're glad that you're here as well. I'm usually on the other side of the camera as a part of that worship community, but don't worry, they're taking really good care over here. Everywhere you go at Big Valley Grace, you're a part of the family. In fact, I've had three really cool pieces of encouragement already. The first guy that found out I was preaching reminded all of a sudden he had to go to the store. The second guy that found out I was preaching said, hey, don't screw up. And the third guy that found out I was preaching said, win or tie, we're with you. So it's going to be a great morning that we have here today. If you're online or, or you're watching or listening, we're glad that you're here as well. We have had a really wonderful Christmas season here at Big Valley Grace. Um, as believers, we've been encouraged. We've been encouraged through the music, through the worship. We've been encouraged through the teaching, through the Word of God. And many of you took advantage of praying for and inviting your family, your friends to come to church. And as a result of that, many gave their lives to Jesus Christ this season. And so we're praising God for the work that he's doing here at Big Valley Grace. Um, church family, now the hard work for us begins. God does all the saving. That's his job. He's the one who draws men to himself. He's the one who made salvation possible through Jesus Christ. He's the one who gets the credit for all the good stuff that's happening around here, especially this month in December. God does the saving, but God expects us, the church, to do the discipling. And that's uh, why it's really important that we use our influence to invite and to encourage uh, the people that we invited at the Christmas season to come to the follow class, that they would take that next step in their walk with Jesus Christ. And the follow class is the way that we as a church partner with you in, in beginning your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I just really want to encourage you, if, if you made a decision for Jesus or if you know of someone who made a decision for Jesus, encourage them to be a part of the follow class. 2013 has ended really well for us as a church family, but 2014 will begin even better as new and young believers in Jesus Christ are discipled for his glory. And it's our job, church, that's our job description according to scripture, is that we help make sure discipleship happens in 2014. So let's work together doing that. This last week, my family has spent some time rehearsing all that God has done for us in 2013. And um, in fact, we have a really fun New Year's tradition that kind of helps us remember significant moments from the past year. We have been celebrating New Year's with the same friends since we were in high school. And uh, as we've kind of grown up together and our families have grown and developed, our traditions have, have done the same. And basically, they've just gotten a lot more mature. But um, one of the things, a few years back, uh, one of the families, uh, they gave us this uh, glass container. And we were to uh, take slips of paper, and every time something significant occurs, write it down on a, a slip of paper, and then put kind of the date on it, and that way we know when it happened, and put it in the jar. And then on New Year's, each family, we bring the glass container, and uh, we kind of organize all the slips, and we read them out loud together. And this year, when my family begins to pull out slips of paper uh, out of this container, we're going to be reminded of some really incredible moments. We will remember January 25th. 
It's the day that I had spine surgery. And we will remember all the pain and the heartache that surrounded that time. And we will remember the blessings, the people of God that surrounded us and encouraged us and supported us during our incredible season of need as a family. We will remember April 17th. Because that's the day that we got a phone call that there was a little girl who needed a safe place to sleep that night. And we will remember how 20 minutes later she was dropped off on our porch with nothing but the clothes that she was wearing. And we will remember the blessings. We will remember how the people of God, the church, came around us to support our family in our season of challenge. We will remember August 7th. It's the day that I had the privilege to baptize my 12-year-old son. We will remember the ways that God worked in his life the week prior as he went on his very first missions trip to Mexico. And we will remember the blessings. We will remember the people of God who surrounded our family to support us during a season of celebration. It's amazing how something as simple as a slip of paper stirs up emotions from the past year. Excitement, laughter, celebration, even sorrow, disappointments, sadness. But together, our tradition is that in community, we process our past year. And naturally, it leads to some, uh, us to a place of evaluation. What moments of 2013 do we want more of? What are some moments that we're hoping not to repeat? If we're anticipating a change in the new year, you may call this a resolution. What dynamics will facilitate and characterize those changes becoming a reality in my life and my family's life? You know, the Bible speaks really clearly about the planning process for the future. In Proverbs 16, 9, it says, In their hearts... Humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You know, the layman version of this verse is, you know, we make our plans and God laughs. And, uh, but be encouraged. You're not the only one who's planning for your life. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And whatever 2013 has held for you, and whatever you're hoping 2014 will bring, I want to submit to you today that the absolute best changes arrive in Jesus Christ. And today we're going to look at Luke chapter 1, and we're going to observe how the arrival of Jesus into the life of Mary parallels the arrival of Jesus into our lives and as we begin to accept the dynamics that characterize the arrival of Jesus, we will be able to anticipate, anticipate spiritual change, the spiritual change that God desires for our lives. True, significant, lasting spiritual change for 2014. Your note sheets will be very helpful for you as we walk through this passage together. And at the top of your notes, you'll see our objective that we have this morning, and it's this. I can anticipate spiritual change in my life by accepting three dynamics characterizing the arrival 
of Jesus, I can anticipate it, the spiritual change that God's desiring for my life by accepting the three dynamics that characterize the arrival of Jesus. And dynamic number one is this, that Jesus becomes my life, that Jesus actually becomes my life. In Luke 1, verse 26, it says this, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Mary has no idea what's about to happen here. She hasn't read the end of the story. She's never celebrated Christmas before. She's never spoken to an angel before. Rightly so, she's beside herself. She's a preteen, and she's terrified. That's why the angel immediately has to reassure her not to be afraid. Who knows what scary stories from synagogue school are running through her mind right now? about how the angel of the Lord showed up to do something to an individual or take out a town or wipe out a nation. She's probably completely terrified, and rightly so. Mary hasn't heard the verse I'm about to read you because it hadn't been written yet, but there's a truth in it that gives context to the current situation that Mary's experiencing. And this is Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears then you also will appear with him in glory. Notice the phrase, Christ, who is your life. Jesus himself put it pretty plainly in John 14, 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus declares succinctly, I am the life. The announcement that Mary's about to receive isn't about just an addition to her life, namely an addition of a baby. And like most of us have probably heard, you know, or referred to ourselves in similar situations, here's kind of how the birth announcements have gone down in our family. Number one, Joel and Sarah are having their first addition. Number two, Joel and Sarah are adding another one. Number three, the Boons are adding number three to their little league team. Number four, Aw, they could only figure out how to build boys, so they went out and got themselves a girl to even out the count. Number five, did you hear? They had a whoopsies. <laughs> it looks like they're adding another little boy. And then number six, oh my, another girl just got dropped off on their doorstep. Do you think they know that makes six kids? They're going to need one of those big old white vans. And then there was last week, my wife, oh, she was feeling all sick in the mornings, and we were like, oh, no. <laughs> but it was just the flu, <laughs> so it was good. Now, Mary didn't know it, but there was a new dynamic in play here. The arrival of Jesus wasn't going to be just a mere addition to her life. This baby would become her life. And understanding that Jesus is life and that Jesus is going to become Mary's life, it gives incredible perspective to how the angel greets Mary 
in this passage. And because Jesus is becoming Mary's life, Mary has found the favor of God. In verse 28, then the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The life of Jesus brings the favor of God upon Mary's life. Mary wasn't favored because she was rich. She was poor. Mary wasn't favored because she was influential. She was just a kid. Mary wasn't favored because of her own good deeds, because she was a sinner, just like us. Mary was favored because the dynamics of her current situation were changing, and Jesus would become her life. And the life of Jesus brought into Mary's life the favor of God. In verse 30, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. The angel simply tries to calm Mary down to reassure her that she indeed is a recipient of the grace of God. God has found Mary to be favorable because of the arrival of his son, Jesus. And the arrival of Jesus brings new dynamics. Jesus becomes my life. And the life of Jesus brings the favor of God. And the favor of God eliminates fear. And this is 1A in your notes. I live confidently because of God's favor on my life. I live confidently because of God's favor on my life. I can live confidently because of God's favor on my life. I don't have to be afraid of what's coming next or worry myself sick about the future. Fear no longer has mastery over me. And my imaginative forecasting of future conversations, relationships, and events, they can be halted. They can be curbed. Favor conquers fear. And God's favor is resting on my life. And it's conquering every one of my fears. And because of that, I live confidently in God. Jesus becomes my life, bringing me his confidence. And Jesus becomes my life, bringing me his presence. And because Jesus is becoming Mary's life, Mary has the presence of God. In verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Not just the angel Gabriel is with her. God himself is with her. The creator of the universe, the most high, who does not live in houses made by human hands, has chosen not only to initiate contact with Mary, but he has chosen to be present with Mary. And God doesn't need a dwelling place with or near humans. We're just his mere work of creation. But he has chosen to visit us. I love how the message version explains John 1.14. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-the-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. It shouldn't be that surprising, considering that Mary has the favor of God, that God should want to be present, his person, with her person. 
The arrival of Jesus brings brand new dynamics. Jesus becomes my life, and the life of Jesus brings the presence of God. And the presence of God eliminates isolation. And this is 1B in your notes. I live in community with God who approaches me for a relationship. I live in community with God who approaches me for relationship. I can live in community with God who approaches me for relationship. I don't have to be afraid of being alone, being lost, being neglected. Isolation no longer has mastery over me. My instincts to shield and protect and deflect from entering into meaningful relationships, it can be overpowered by love, God's love dwelling in close proximity with me. Presence conquers isolation. And God's presence is resting on my life. And it's conquering every isolating relationship and situation that I experience. And because of that, I live in community with God. Jesus becomes my life. He's bringing me his favor. He's bringing me his presence. And Jesus becomes my life. He's bringing me his awareness. And because Jesus is becoming Mary's life, Mary has the awareness of God. In verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. God has successfully figured out how to get the full undivided attention of a teenager. No earbuds, no texting. She is locked in. I think we need to figure out how to get an angel to show up on every one of our local high school campuses. That would be absolutely amazing. The angel has only done this so far. Hello, God thinks you're a cool kid. And Mary is completely engaged. Why? Because God has awakened her to his movements. And the movements of God are captivating. Greatly troubled, full of wonder, the favor of God, ushering in the presence of God, opening Mary's eyes in awareness of God. The arrival of Jesus brings brand new dynamics. Jesus becomes my life. And the life of Jesus brings to me the awareness of God. And the awareness of God eliminates in me ignorance. And this is one C in your notes. I live in expectation of God's activity. I get to live in expectation of God's activity. I can live in expectation of God's activity. I don't have to be afraid of being inactive, of being insignificant, of being unused to my fullest potential. In fact, on a personal note, my workaholic nature, it no longer has mastery over me. My instincts pushing me, do better, prove more, get ahead of the next guy. They're contrasted by a working partner whose name is Jesus, who invites me to rest in him, who invites me to get away with him, who invites me to come to him. For his yoke, it's easy, and his burden is light. And he's gentle, and he's humble in spirit, and only in him will I find the rest for my soul that I'm looking for. Activity conquers idleness, and God's activity 
is resting on my life. And it's conquering all the lies that tell me I'm lazy, that I'm worthless, that I'll never be good enough. And because of that, I live in expectation of God. Jesus becomes my life, bringing me his favor, bringing me his presence, and bringing me his awareness. I can anticipate spiritual change in my life by accepting this dynamic that characterizes the arrival of Jesus in me, that Jesus becomes my life. And I can anticipate spiritual change in my life by accepting another dynamic that characterizes the arrival of Jesus, that Jesus initiates miracles within me. And this is dynamic number two. Jesus initiates miracles within me. Jesus, he initiates miracles within me. In Luke chapter one, verse 30, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, Your relative is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. Mary is hearing that the impossible is possible. And her world as she knows it, gone in an instant. There's a new reality. There's a new life. And it's in Jesus, and it just so happens to be that Jesus is also the very miracle that is conceived within her. And because Jesus is initiating a miracle within Mary's life, Mary will experience a holy change. In verse 31, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Where life didn't exist, life is conceived. Holiness stooping low from the heights of heaven's throne to take up residence in a young, poor, unsuspecting girl. The miraculous has occurred. God in her. And the change is holy. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Christ is my life. And he has made me brand new. I'm a new creation in him. The old, it's out of here. And the new life arrives in Jesus Christ. The arrival of Jesus brings brand new dynamics. Jesus initiates miracles within me. Miracles that are ushering in holy changes. Holy changes that bring new life. And this is 2A in your notes. I receive new life that begins in Jesus. I get to receive new life that begins in Jesus. I can receive new life that begins in Jesus. The miraculous has occurred in me. The Bible says that I was dead in my sin. Dead is dead. Coming back from the dead, that's a miracle. And Jesus initiated the miracle that is my new life. 
Jesus initiates miracles within me. There's holy changes. And Jesus initiates miracles within me. There's a new praise in my life. And because Jesus is initiating a miracle in Mary's life, Mary begins to praise. And this is verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. The very first time recorded in the history of the world, the name of Jesus spoken. And Mary, she gets to be the very first one to call on the name of Jesus. And as Mary is absorbing all that the angel is telling her and all that's being foretold for her life, it's in this moment that God allows her to be the one to hear for the very first time the name of our Savior, the name of of the Savior of the world. Mary was to call him Jesus. And later, Mary would call upon him Jesus. Romans 10, 13, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Acts 4, 12, salvation's found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When I call on the name of Jesus, I'm saved. There's no other name upon which I can call upon. No other name that will save me. My salvation arrives in Jesus. And the arrival of Jesus is bringing brand new dynamics. And Jesus is initiating miracles within me. Miracles that are ushering in salvation. Salvation that brings me to praise the name of Jesus of Jesus, and this is to be in your notes. I respond in worship, praising his name. I get to respond in worship, praising his name. I can respond in worship, praising his name. The miraculous has occurred in me. The Bible says that I used to follow Satan. Following Satan is an abomination to God. Going from being an abomination to God to being a worshiper of God, it's a pretty good sign that a miracle has happened. And Jesus is initiating the miracle within me that causes me to desire and want and long to praise the name of Jesus. And there's holy changes. There's a new praise in my life. And I become a display of godliness. And because Jesus is initiating a miracle within Mary's life, Mary begins to display godliness. In verse 32, it says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary has new life. She has new praise and a new display of godliness as she will bear the Son of God, a king who will reign over his kingdom forever. In this very instant, Mary goes from being an unfortunate peasant to a privileged and royal member of God's household. Jesus is going to be great. He's going to rule. And Mary has the honor of being associated with the king, even to be his mother. First John 3, 1. See, see what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. 
And that is what we are. The action of God in my life brings godliness, my life on display for the world to see how remarkable God is, how lavish his love is to me. Now, there's many titles that I've sought after in my life. Maybe you can't relate to that. Many titles that I've gone after. There's many titles that have been given to me, but none, not even close, can compare to the title of being called God's kid. And God's kid is exactly what I am. Because my godliness, it arrives in Jesus. And the arrival of Jesus, it's bringing brand new dynamics into my life. Jesus initiates miracles within me. Miracles ushering in godliness. Godliness that displays the glory of God. And this is 2C in your notes. I reflect his glory as a citizen of his kingdom. I get to reflect his glory as a citizen of his kingdom. I can reflect his glory as a citizen of his kingdom. The miraculous has occurred in me. The Bible says that I used to display my sinful cravings, desiring nothing more than the satisfaction of my flesh. Going from displaying wickedness to displaying godliness is nothing short of a miracle. And Jesus is the one who's initiating the miracle that allows me to become a display of godliness. Jesus is initiating miracles within me. There's holy changes. There's a new praise in my life. I become a display of godliness and the power of his word transforms me. In verse 37, for no word from God will ever fail. What God speaks, God accomplishes. And God is speaking into Mary's life what God will accomplish in Mary's life. And the wonderful things Mary is hearing are the wonderful things that Mary will be experiencing. God's powerful word is transforming Mary's life in this very moment. Isaiah 55, 11, So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire, and it will achieve the purpose for which I sent it. Matthew 5, 18, for truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. God, he doesn't waste words. Each word spoken by God will accomplish what he desires. It will achieve his purposes. And when the word of God impacts me, it will accomplish what God desires. The word of God will achieve in me God's purposes. That's because my transformation, it arrives in Jesus. And the arrival of Jesus brings brand new dynamics. Jesus initiates miracles within me, miracles that are spoken through his word, his powerful word transforming me. And this is 2D in your notes. I testify to his power as his word transforms me. I get to testify to his power as his word transforms me. I can testify to his power as his word transforms me. The miraculous has occurred in me. The Bible says, the sin caused me death, that my sin separated me from God, and that my sin hid me from God's face, and that my sin caused God not even to hear me. Going from a silent, separated, sinful death to a spoken, spiritual, sustaining life, this testifies that a miracle has occurred in my life. And Jesus is the one who is initiating the miracle. He's the one who is bringing a miracle and transforming me by his powerful word.
Miracles are occurring within me. There's holy changes. There's a new praise that I desire in my life to praise him. I become a display of godliness, and the power of God's word transforms me. And so I can anticipate the spiritual change that God is desiring from my life by accepting these dynamics that are characterizing the arrival of Jesus in me, that Jesus becomes my life, that Jesus initiates miracles within me. And I can begin to anticipate, like taste it, the spiritual change, real actual spiritual change for 2014 that God wants to make in my life by accepting another dynamic that characterizes the change, the arrival of Jesus. And that is that Jesus humbly chooses me so that I might humbly choose him. And this is dynamic number three. Jesus humbly chooses me so that I might humbly choose him. In Luke 1, verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me, may it be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. God humbles himself. Humbles himself even to become a man. And he chooses Mary to be his mother. God chooses Mary to be his mother. Mary, who has nothing that God needs. She possesses no skill, talent, or ability that God's depended upon. However, God simply chooses Mary. Why? Because God wanted her. God wanted Mary. And so God chose Mary. And in this moment, God gives opportunity for Mary to choose God as well, to choose humility, to choose service, to choose the path of Jesus. And because God is choosing Mary, Mary has the opportunity to humbly choose to belong to God. And in verse 38, she simply says, I am the Lord's. I am the Lord's. Mary has heard the news. She now knows the fact. She's heard the angel. She's faced with the decision. And in this moment, Mary releases control and chooses. She makes a choice to belong to God. In Romans 14, 7 and 8, it says, For none of us lives for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So, whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. And this, this humble kind of thinking, it's in direct opposition to my pride. In fact, this type of humility, it kind of picks a street fight with my arrogance, battling for this place of belonging. And the decision is, am I going to choose family with Jesus over fame with this world? And the truth is, is that my belonging, it arrives in Jesus. And the arrival of Jesus, it's changing my life. And Jesus humbly chooses me so that I might humbly choose to belong to him. This is 3A in your notes. I belong to God. He is the owner of my life. I get to belong to God. He is the owner of my life. I can belong to God. He's the owner of my life. I don't have to worry about who will welcome me. I don't have to worry about who will claim me. I don't have to worry about who will align on my side. God has sealed the deal. He is marking me as his own. And the brand, the brand that I wear is the matchless name of Jesus Christ. And he has chosen me. And I have the opportunity to humbly choose him. 
to belong to God. And Jesus humbly chooses me so that I might humbly choose to belong to him. And Jesus humbly chooses me so that I might humbly choose to obey him. And because God is choosing Mary, Mary has the opportunity to humbly choose to obey God. She says, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. Mary belongs to God, which means God is not only the author of her life, but God is the authority in her life. His will, the will of God, becomes the blessing for Mary to live out. She recognizes that her rightful place is in service to God, who is the master. Psalm 84.10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. There's an eternal nobility in service to my king, the benefits of which far outweigh selling my soul to the enemy for sinful moments of indulgence. Holding the door open in the name of Jesus is better than knocking down the doors of sin. And my obedience can only arrive in Jesus. And the arrival of Jesus, it's, it's changing me. The dynamics are changing. And Jesus humbly chooses me so that I might humbly choose to obey him. And this is 3B in your notes. I obey God. He's the master of my life. I get to obey God. He is the master of my life. I can obey God. He's the master of my life. I don't have to worry about who will order me. I don't have to worry about who will command me. I don't have to worry about who's going to dictate my fate. God is calling the shots. He's directing the plots. And all the outcomes are foreseen by him. Jesus has chosen me. And I have the opportunity to humbly choose him, to obey him. And when I see that Jesus has humbly chosen me, I've, I can make a choice to belong to God, to obey God. But I can also make a choice to trust God. And because God is choosing Mary, Mary has the opportunity to belong to God, to obey God, and to trust God. In verse 38, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Mary recognizes that what she's heard it's the truth. It's factual information. And she makes a decision to trust God at his word, to place the outcome of her life upon the powerful foundation of the word of God. Proverbs 30, verse 5. Every word of God, flawless. He's a shield to those who take refuge in him. Psalm 33, 4. For the word of the Lord, it's right and it's true. And he's faithful in all that he does. When I hear God's word, I hear truth, lies, deception, everything that proves false, it fades at the truth proclaimed. The truth, it provides protection. It's faithfully present in all circumstances. And when I recognize the truth that Jesus has chosen me, I want nothing less than to place my trust in the truth. And my trusting, it only can arrive in the person of Jesus Christ. Because when Jesus shows up on the scene, he changes everything. And he humbly chooses me so that I might humbly choose to trust him. 
and this is 3C in your notes, I trust God. He's the truth of my life. I get to trust God. He's the truth of my life. I can trust God. He's the truth of my life. I don't have to worry about who will trick me. I don't have to worry about who's going to deceive me. I don't have to worry about who's going to try and fake me out. God, he's reliable. God, he's trustworthy. He's faithful. He's true. And Jesus has chosen me, and I have the opportunity to humbly choose him, to trust him. You know, as we look towards 2014 and we look for whatever the change that we're hoping, I can anticipate spiritual change. I can taste it. I can foresee spiritual change, the kind of change that God wants to make in my life when I accept these dynamics that characterize the arrival of Jesus in my life. And dynamic number one is that Jesus becomes my life. Dynamic number two, Jesus initiates miracles within me. Dynamic number three, Jesus humbly chooses me so that I might humbly choose him. Now, I don't know how it goes in your life, but as we bring in the new year, this has been my experience. Lots of people are going to offer me their very good suggestions. <laughs> their very reliable solutions. And they'll give me requirements to copy so that I can be like them and have their New Year's resolutions. Eat this. Read that. Buy this. Sell that. But not, right now, I just want to save you some time. Save you some money. Maybe save you some buyer's remorse. Maybe save you some failed attempts to resolve. Because here's the big idea. Jesus is the change that I'm looking for. He's the change. Jesus is the change that I'm looking for. Now, I can't foresee the future. I don't know what will be written on a single one of these slips of paper that goes in in 2014. I don't even know if I'm going to be around to write on any of them, but I do know this. I want each slip of paper to be tied to how God has been working in my life and how God has been working in my family's lives, that each scribbled note would point to the way Jesus has worked, the ways that he blessed us in our seasons of need, the way he blessed us in our seasons of challenge. The ways he blessed us in our seasons of celebration. And it's exciting. When Jesus shows up to the party, it gets a whole lot better. And you better buckle up because the dynamics are going to change. Because he becomes your life. He's not just an addition. He initiates miracles within you. And he chooses you so that you can choose him. Father God, Lord, we thank you. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We thank you for arriving. Thank you so much for being the change that we've been looking for. And thanks for the slips of paper. <laughs> the moments this past year that we observed you working in our lives. And may many scraps be written upon for your glory this coming year. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and all God's family said, amen. If you are here for the first time, we'd love to meet you. Come out to the Welcome Center. We'd love to meet you. If you'd like to pray with a spiritual leader, you can come over to the altar room.
God bless you as you go today.